Welcome to the Made to Parade podcast, sponsored by the British Drum Company, manufacturers of the Phantom, Regimental Series and Axial Parade drums that look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing. All right, folks, welcome back to the Made to Parade podcast. You are joining us on episode number seven of season number four. So we're into the, the final straight, so to speak, with uh, this particular season. We've got three more episodes after this one in terms of bond focused. And then we have a bonus episode to release on Garth Mulvaney's book called uh, Tartan Gangs and Paramilitaries. And I'm sure you'll be looking forward to all of those. And there are some great people lined up for you. And I'll tell you a bit more about that at the end. We are going out a wee bit later than we normally do and that was just due to the fact that at the weekend there was lots on in regards to time that I had available to edit. I was out with the band a couple of times and uh, we were at uh, the South Belfast Young Conquerors Parade on the Saturday afternoon. We were also then down in Balamoney for the Dunloy Parade and uh, absolutely fantastic to spend the, the day out with the band and uh, great crack and meeting up with uh, lots of friends and, and people who I've come into contact with via the podcast, the book and everything etc. So normal service will resume from next week. We will be going out on Mondays again for the following episodes. On to today's episode, I am joined by Ian Marshall from the Govan Protestant Boys, and a very popular band in Scotland, very popular band here in Northern Ireland as well. And uh, we had a great conversation a few weeks ago. Absolutely delighted to be able to share that with you now. I'll be back as always at the end of the episode just to give you some updates in terms of what's coming up, any announcements that need to be made, etc. But until then, sit back, relax and enjoy the conversation with Ian. Alrighty, folks, welcome to another episode of the Made to Pray podcast. I am joined by Ian Marshall today from the Goblin Protestant Boys. Ian, you are very welcome with us on the episode today, mate. Uh, thank you, Glenn. It's a pleasure to, to come on and speak on, on behalf of Goblin Protestant Boys. I'm uh, looking forward to the podcast. Brilliant, man. It's great to have you on. As I said, in the, the pre-record, there are always a bond that I look out for whenever you're over here. And uh, thank you. always a lot of admiration for what, what you guys do and stuff. So, Ian, what we'll do is we'll just kick off like we normally do with any podcast. Just talk us a wee bit about how you first got involved with the bond. What sparked your interest? Well, my, my interest um, became in Govan Protestant Boys. My brother was a member um, who joined the band. Um, me, me being younger than my brother, um, kind of watched how he went into the band. Um, and in Glasgow, you always followed the main orange parades in the summer months. I was part of Govan Juvenile District. Um, at a young age and went through and, and mostly at that time we had accordion bands in there and then the flute bands as we had some flute bands from Northern Ireland coming over to participate in the parades all of a sudden this band of red white and blue jerseys appeared on the scene Govan Protestant Boys which my brother became a member um, and he started to, to look at them and I, I remember going to see them in one day and then um, a main parade in, in Glasgow coming back through um, pouring the rain and uh, the band sergeant at the time, as he was walking along the side, he, he started, um, he shouted the tune, You Are My Sunshine. And I think in that day, just triggered my interest in the band that they were going to be different. Um, and to listen in the bucket and rain, or you're walking in the bucket and rain at the side, and this band of red, white and blue jerseys is playing You Are My Sunshine, that just <laughs> captured um, my, my love of the band. And from then on, I was, I was hooked. I was only 13 years of age at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that summer, and I joined the band in 1981. Um, that was me getting in as 13, going on to 14, and that was the first start of, of me becoming into the band. I went along to the band where we 
the band um, uh, done all their um, like band practices in the governor on trolls in the back hall. I went down there one Sunday afternoon with a good friend of mine, a boy Tommy Gare, and both of us uh, put ourselves up to join the band. And at the present at the time uh, was a man, Jim Creerer. Um, Jim is a very close family friend of ours. And along with Jim, Jim got me into the band proposed by his late brother, George. So that was the start of my journey um, into the band and, and which has been for me now is this year, 40 years, 40 fabulous years for us. Um, great places to be, been there with the band, many great journeys and uh, just so many fantastic friends uh, since I started. Right, so you're a one band man, then you haven't been anywhere yeah. else. No, I, I have been one band, uh, and I'll only ever be one band. That that band, and I say, from the first day when the band started at the time, was a boy, Willie Fogel, and he played that. I think it captured my heart, and um, yeah, I've never never looked at another band ever, ever since. I enjoy listening to the bands, but um, nah, there'll only ever be one band for me. What do you attribute that to? Because nearly everybody that we've had on from the Scottish bands seem to have done a number of bands before they landed in the one that they were with. I know we were talking with uh, John Carmagel, um on the first episode, and, and Mo had asked him a question. He said it seems to be a trend there in Scotland that people go from a number of bands. Um, well, what's kept you at the one band then? Yeah, I, th- I think there is. You're, you're probably correct in what you say. We have a, a, a few members in the band who have been in different bands. And for me, when, when I joined the band, um, there was so much going on in that in the band scene. Uh, the band scene in Glasgow was becoming really big in the, in the flute band side. But Govan Protestant Boys always had other interests outside that kept the members within. I mean, we had five-a-side football teams. Um, we had an 11-a-side football team. Um, and I must say, I'll, I'll be a proud person to tell you that Govan Protestant Boys won the first Glasgow um, Protestant League in the football, where we set up the Protestant League uh, for all flute bands in Glasgow, and we were the first winners of it. So things like that, um, I think, captured me to, to stay within the band. And obviously, as you're 14 and 15 going through the band, you, you look for guidance from people with, within the band. And we had people there that, that, that guided you along and, and they gave us so much encouragement um, to be part of the journey that was just starting because that was only the start of the journey. And the people there at the time had visions of taking the band to to, to great strengths and I think over the years that has that has been proved really really well I mean they are, the knowledge that they had in the younger days and they were young people as well you know in maybe early 20s and um, guys there at that time and Davy Curry, John Fogel, Willie Fogel guys guys like that um, were there you know Robert McMichael and Finlay McLaughlin people of that that stature had um, had this bond that they had started they all they all went about together they all drank together um, and that rubbed off onto the younger guys, and and, and that's where I made made my, my friends or my friends for life now. And I mean, the, the current president Charlie Weir is a close friend of mine, always will be, you know. Um, I met the McIlreevy brothers, people like that. And later on, as you go through, I met one of my very close friends, who is Graham Lauder, and th- things like that are evolved all through my forty years. And I think that's what's kept me really within the band. All these people that you mentioned, and there's a loads more that I've probably. I should mention, but you can't mention every name, but to, when you get these people in there and they start giving you an insight to what they want to do, that, that that's you hooked on it. And certainly I was hooked from that early day. 
Okay, so there was a, an alignment in a number of different areas there. There was an alignment, maybe yeah. musically an alignment from a, a camaraderie point of view, and also the extracurricular activities, if you want to say. Were, oh, yeah. You know, all very much kept you, you know, a, a tight unit. Yeah, yeah, and it's, st it's still to the day. I mean, we, most of the band, we still all meet together. We go to the football together, and, and that, that, is, that is what probably Govan Protestant Boys is. It's quite a very family-orientated band where... We've had, like, obviously the people at that time married, they end up having children, and the boys who have been in the band have joined the band and come up through the band, and some still in it, which is great. It's a great family atmosphere, great family-orientated band, but the camaraderie in between everybody is fantastic. Yeah, brilliant. Listen, let's roll it back a wee bit then and talk to me a bit about that first practice that you went to. You know, what was that like yeah. when you were wrapped up? Very daunting, <laughs> I, I shall say. Very daunting to get into a hall... Uh, with only knowing my brother and a couple of other people. Yeah, it was quite daunting, but um, made very welcome. Um, made very welcome, and by the time um, I'd come out, I'd been told where I could go and buy a flute, um, and I'd been given some notes. And the first one, <laughs> unfortunately, or, or fortunately for us in Gordon Prussian, you always get the national anthem along with the scale. And um, that was the start of it. But yeah, it was a, it was a daunting time um, for me going in, say, 13, going on 14. Um, didn't know what to expect. But yeah, it was a start and it was very good. And from there on every week, you had people willing to teach, yeah, show you what to do, where you were going wrong. And yeah, yeah, it was very good. But I say it was a daunting prospect, but I was very lucky that I knew the president from a very young age and I grew up with very close with his family. Um, but then that's when you just evolve around the people and started meeting close friends, who I say are, are now close friends and I've been for, for the last 40 years. What do you remember of that learning process then? You know, the person that really taught you, was there more than one person that they kind of got involved with teaching you? Yeah, well, we had, um, you had a kind of learner's class. Um, I look back, um, uh, Willie Fogel was probably, who was a band sergeant at the time, who, who kind of taught you a bit. Robert Renickel was probably a big a big influence to myself, who who took time and, and, and spent some time with the younger boys of the band, um, teaching them how to what to do and what to learn. And then you were left to, to pick up the tunes as you, I knew the band got a new tune and you joined in the practice and, and you worked away with it um, to learn it to the best of your ability to try to improve the band. And yeah, that, that was it. But the people were always there to, to help. You know, the, the guys were always there wanting to, wanting to point in the correct, uh, the correct way and how it's played. And yeah, that was, that, there were good times there. Young times were good, good times in the band. Yeah, no, and tell me a wee bit about, the, about how long it took you between picking up the instrument and then walking with the band? Well, I, as I say, I joined the band in October and my first parade um, was in May the following year. Um, and, and, I, and I always say this, I was very lucky to wear a red, white and blue jersey because not long after that we changed. But I was very lucky. Um, my first parade was, um, we left in Govan Orange Halls and we walked to a place at Devon Street, which is up at Paul Shaw's. And then we walked from there right into the centre of Glasgow uh, city centre and right into the train station and the reason that we walked into the train station on that night was we were going to a no, a no pope protest in London so Pope John Paul was coming to Glasgow in June of 1982 and we had the protests in Glasgow um, in early 1992 which were um, quite eventful shall we say and, and yeah. um, it was a learning process and our band decided to go to the, the no pope parade in London and that was my first parade um, I was carrying the flag on the, on the way up to the station, and then I was lucky enough to be playing my flute in London. Um, although I, I didn't know every single tune that the band played, I made my best attempt to do it. 
but um, at 14, that was a very um, an experience that, that probably set me on the band. And the older members of the band were there looking after the young guys, and my parents were lucky enough to let me go. But that was a fantastic learning. It was a great parade. And, yeah, it was interesting going to London for the first time. And you say it was a, a fantastic learning experience. What is it you think you got from that first parade that, that helped you in the future? I think it showed me in the way that the band were, were, were heading. Um, there was a discipline there. Obviously, I'd been a younger boy. like you, um, The older guys were telling you the, the correct way to, to conduct yourself on parade. And, and I think you learned, I learned from that. And that standard me took me on the stand as we moved through the years. Obviously, the band has evolved over those years to different from, from where we were in, in 1981 to 1982 and to, to where we are now but the, the those early days certainly set you on your way. Did you have a set number of tunes that you had to learn? I know that there's a number of bands that come on and said that they had to learn a set number and one of the guys that I was talking to recently said they had a minimum of 15 tunes that they had to learn. Yeah, yeah. well that was that was a minimum in, in Government Protestant Poison that days was 15 tunes. Um, from my recall, um, we had 15 tunes to do, all loyal tunes we, we learned. At that time, um, our band only played loyal tunes. Um, we moved on to the military marches as, as, we, as we became probably a better flute band and a better drum section band. But in the early days, it was 15. We had 15 flute, uh, tunes that we had to learn. And yeah, you, you just buckled down and, and you learned them. We had a practice on a, one more Sunday and then we had some on a Tuesday night. So it was very good. Yeah, and what happens then whenever a tune gets called that you don't know? <laughs> yeah, well, you just move your fingers up and down and hope for the best. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if the guy in front of you is a good fluter, then you try and um, copy him. But if he's the same as you, then um, you just hope for the best, I'm afraid, and, and you don't blow any duff notes. <laughs> How many tunes were the band actually carrying about that time? Obviously, you were saying you've got 15. We would, I think at that time, we would probably carry around about 40 tunes at that time. The band yeah. would carry about 40 tunes at, at that time, all loyal tunes. Um, so, but I must admit, on, on that first parade, it probably helped me to pick up all of those tunes because I quickly evolved into picking them up relatively quickly after that. Um, yeah. And then probably by the end of that marching season, I knew them all. And, and at that time, the marching season finished in August mm-hmm. in Scotland. It finished in August. It didn't carry on like now. August, the Blacks Parade in August was the end of the marching season for you. Yeah, there's definitely something in the whole of being out with the band and picking stuff up, you know, that you maybe haven't, you know, got down and things, you know, that you, you just, it just, because we're learning by ear anyway, majority of us, we started off, we're learning by ear. It just became part and parcel of what you did and just seemed to, you just seemed to slide into tunes without even knowing that you'd learned them. Yeah, I think, I think that's the way that you do. Even now, I mean, we have the notes in front of us, but you pick up, you pick up how they go. And you just carry on, you know. But yes, yeah, I think it's a great, a great thing to be learning something new all the time because it does it keeps your interest in the band. Yeah, definitely. And what else do you remember from those early days in the band? Anything stand out for you? Um, yeah, I think, um, I think probably being taught in the band in a sense of also likes the the fluting and that. But the early years of the band it taught you a bit about the loyalism. I mean, and, and obviously the troubles in Northern Ireland were going on at the very the height of those tensions straight away, but um, being a member of Govan Protestant Boys, you were always taught about them, and David Curry in particular always let you know what was going on, and, and, and it was a great insight to see, but that, learning things like that um, set us on, and then going to Northern Ireland, I mean, I went to Northern Ireland 39 years ago for the first time, and it was uh, probably one of the best experiences I've ever had, I, says, I was introduced to Tintown at the time, 
But as people know, Turkmona and Turkmona is a is a, a very big part of the heart of all members of Gubbin Protestant Boys. And Turkmona at that time was was where we went, and and that started us. The band had been there previous before I went, but going to Turkmona um, just started something that to this day is still going strong. For us going there now, Turkmona was it's a fantastic open community. Um, the people of Turkmona from the day the first day I went there always opened your door to the members of the band and long-standing family relationships that are there now that that, that bond was started over 40 years ago in, in Turkmona and the people who were young as us at that time are now older like us now but they have kids and their kids are now friendly with our kids and and that is now starting and, and to go into South Belfast is, is fantastic we have a great a great place to go in Turkmona and we still go there to this day you know and we, we, we still walk with the same lodge from that day and um, I don't see it ever changing we have a very fantastic relationship with LL 1118 there and you know and the members of hoping that their arms and houses everything to us and look after us very well and that, that gave us an understanding back then of 40 years saying a lot of that is down to likes of David Curry and John Fogel, guys like that who have kept us really there and, and, and it's great, it's fantastic. It's very important that though, isn't it, to have a good relationship with the, the Orange in some degree um, in terms of, you know, that building a, a longer lasting relationship rather than fleeting from lodge to lodge. Yeah, well, well, in a sense of Govan Protestant boys, we don't have a, a lodge to lodge um, way um, for 40 years or, or now, we're going on 45 years next year is our anniversary. We have always been very loyal to, to the lodges that we work with. Um, Northern Georgia is a, is a massive part of, of Governor Protestant Boys. It always has been. Um, for in Glasgow, it says we, we work with LOL 355, James Thompson Memorial. Um, very well run lodge, very much orange orientated. Um, and the members, uh, you know, stand by the band all the time. And, and now they, they were 40 years, just a couple of years ago. We paraded with them from day one, for, for, from their, the standing of their lodge starting. And a lot of the members who were in the band at that time were in LOL 355. So we had a very good understanding and a, a very fantastic relationship. And to this day, yeah, we still work with 355 and, and, and inside our own host district of Govan 42. Um, Govan 42 district is, is massive part of the band as well. We've, we continue to work with the Govan juveniles, um, although we do it on a rotation basis um, in Govan, because obviously there's not as enough juveniles now to have two or three bands out in the parade. But yeah, we, we still do that. Um, we do a lot of, um, like before the football matches in Glasgow, they have the bar days within Govan Orange Hall, so the band participates there. Um, to try and get the lodges um, a bit of funding there as well. So, yeah, we, 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 we're always very much orientated into the Orange Order. We have a great a great understanding, a great relationship with them. And we have a great relationship with the County of Glasgow and obviously the Grand Orange Lodge as well. Um, and, and the Grand Orange Lodge now with the, with the Grand Master of Jim McHarvey, you know, they've got a, a fantastic leader there who's, who's changed it a bit. Um, you know, and he's, Jim's always out there promoting the Orange Order, you know, and, and, and he promotes the band a bit as well, you know, and he's, um, he's a, a great gentleman to be part of and be in his company as well. No, I definitely think that more bonds need to develop that um, with the lodges, and I think maybe it works the other way as well, you know, lodges developing long-standing relationships with bonds can only be beneficial for, for both organisations. Yeah, I think, I think like everything is, it's things evolve around time. The, the band scene is massive in, in, in the sense for all of us in Northern Ireland and Scotland. And I, I think probably sometimes maybe some members of the audience don't recognise the way 
at the band scene has evolved over the years. And the band scene is a very powerful scene, whereas probably 40 years ago, the Orange was the most powerful in a sense. And yeah, I think possibly some, maybe some people should take more notice to the to the bands, but but certainly for us, we, we have a fantastic relationship with the Orange, you know, and, and long may that continue. We, 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 we never try to have any enemies anywhere or anything. We always try open dialogue, do whatever we can, and if there's an issue, then the issue is sorted between ourselves, the Orange or whatever, you know, and, and these things. But as I say, we, we don't have, we, we have not had many issues over the years. We've always been very supportive of the Orange Order, and the Orange Order is always, in my opinion, being 100% supportive of our band. So we, we could we could never never cross any bad paths, in all honesty. So I want to take a back a wee bit and talk more about the band, because obviously you've spent sort of, what, 40 years or so with yeah. the, the band? So you've been with them from pretty much close to their starting iteration to now. And then you also mentioned that you, you you were you felt very proud you've been able to wear one of the red, white, and blue jumpers oh, yeah. because not long after that you changed. Talk yeah. to me a bit about what that change was all about because obviously there was a there was a groundswell of change happening in the bond scene yeah. at that time. So talk to me about what was happening with the bond and maybe if you want to go into some stories about how the thing has changed completely from whenever you started to where you are now. Yeah, well. Well, I think in 1981 and 1982, um, most of the bands had the, like the black trousers and a certain shirt or a jersey. So coming, coming Protestant boys was no different. We had a red, white and blue jersey, white shirt, black tie, and black trousers, black shoes. That, that's that's the band. I, I always feel very proud to, to be saying that I managed to actually wear that. Didn't think it would have been possible, but because I went to London, I, I was very lucky. And, and I may say it was my brother's jersey that I wore that day. So obviously he didn't go. So we, at that time, nobody had a, a lot of jerseys. But just on, on as we moved into 1982, we were starting to look, or the band committee at the time were starting to look at a different um, style of, of uniform for everybody. Most people were going to a shop trousers, a shirt, a tie and a hat. And in 1982, I mean, you had different things in the, the the clothing scene in Glasgow was on the up. People had a bit more cash in their pocket and everybody was into the clothing. And um, for some unknown reason or, or the reasons that everybody decided, we decided to go down of um, Burgundy and Pink, hence the, the birth of what they called at the time the Pink Army. Nice. Government Protestant boys was known as the Pink Army. Um, we had a burgundy trousers, a pink shirt, um, burgundy tie, a burgundy Balmoral hat with a burgundy and pink Dyson. And, and that's what we had. And we were known as people started calling us, there's the pink army coming along the road. Um, as you can imagine at the time, and with the first parade that we actually wore that uh, uniform was in the Ibrox Church Parade. Uh, where they, the old, um, we used to have the Church Parade, the Ibrox, the Grand Lodge had that. Um, and on that day, um, we, we managed to get a photograph inside the stadium on that day, um, which we were very lucky to have. We sat in the centre circle of the stadium. Um, we had uh, one parade that day, 32 flutters and eight drummers and a bass drummer. And that was the start of the Pink Army on that day. Right. And we just evolved around that. So that was where we were first inclined into getting into that style of uniform where we had, I say, the pink shirts. And we kept that for about three years. And then all of a sudden in Scotland, you had the boom of this uh, suit became available for everybody. And, and the Black Skull must take a lot of credit on, on that time. And Andy McAdam and, and his vision of the way the Black Skull was going. And um, I remember being on parade at a time when we were walking with Lord Burgundy 
um, trousers and pink shirts and all of a sudden this blue uniform come along and the boys at the front with the gauntlets on, banner eight, three flags, and you're saying, wow, you know, we need to be somewhere like this. And that was the start of, I think, it evolved around the bands and, and the band uniforms and the decorum at that time. But you know, we, 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 we then moved from our pink shirts to, we kept our pink shirt, but we, we managed to get a suit, burgundy suit, um, with the pink shirt on it. Um, and we kept the burgundy and pink all the way right up to um, 1990. And the band scene was changing and we were looking for something different. And um, I would be here all night if I told you some of the meetings that we had and some of the ideas that some of our members had um, were really, um, <laughs> I could say far out. Or that would be yeah, probably far out. I mean, one guy wanted the band to wear tracksuits. Um, another guy was looking at um, <laughs> a uniform from the Confederate Army in America and, and things like that. And, you know, and, and the meetings were, were, yeah, were very eventful until uh, one day we, we got the uniform that, that, that we were all looking for. And I, I don't know if we stumbled on it or chance or whatever, but we had a boy within the band of Willie Rich. Um, Willie was a bass drummer at the time and he came up with this uniform he had seen of um, like the military of the tunic with the tartan trousers. Lo and behold, this became a part, and then member of the band John Fogel and his family took a wee trip away through to Edinburgh Castle, and I still see the vision of the photograph that came back of um, John's uh, son and daughter standing beside the century at um, Edinburgh Castle. And as post, most people thought at the time, well, as kids getting a photograph, you know, we were just there getting a photograph of that uniform because that's what we wanted, mm-hmm. and that started us within our, our tartan trousers in 1990. And, and to this day, our uniform has evolved, and we've added bits of red. And we've always tried to enhance the uniform to, to make it stand out a bit better. But the, the main kind of premise of the uniform has stayed the same since those days, hasn't yeah, it? Yes, since, since 1990 now, right through, we've always had the tartan trousers. We had um, Black Watch was our first one. Then we went to Modern Forbes. Um, we went to Mackenzie. Um, and we've evolved around a bit of the tartan trousers. The, the jacket changed from being a crossover tunic to straight buttons up the front, or then we went to the zip up the front. But the uniform has always evolved around it now, and the Glengarry hat, and, and and that's now what we stand out for. And, and hopefully the members will never ever change that. But as they say, it's a, it's an open forum on the membership. Everybody has an equal vote um, to, to what. And when a uniform decided, it's not decided by one person or five people. It's decided by everyone in the band. And hopefully. Um, we never change from from where we are because that's what we're known as now. No, definitely. And so he's on, he's not only went through that sort of uniform change, but he's also went through a bit of a style change as well. Didn't you? Oh yeah. Playing. Talk to me about yeah. how that was happening. Well, the the change in the style um, came, um, I think, as as we evolved into playing some like marches, military marches, and that. And um, a lot of the band, a lot of the people in the band were friendly with. Um, guys from Pride of the Main. And Pride of the Main at that time was a standout band for probably a lot of the guys and um, they had a lot of really good tunes, fantastic drum beats. And I think we took little bits from Pride of the Main, um, maybe Bally Craigie, we took little bits from that. Um, guys like Willie Fogel and, and Robert McNichol and the boys who wrote their tunes at the time um, kind of brought in military marches, um, you know, and like Imperial Echoes and things like that. And we evolved into to start playing military marches. And, and at that time, um, we had some really good 
drum section members in it, a boy Andy Ramsey, who's a very talented man, you know, and on he could do everything from um, side drum to bass drum to flute, and Andy and, uh, and a lot of the guys within the band started to change the style, and, and, and we got that kind of style there of playing the military marches and jigs, which, which set us up, and I think a lot of people within the banshee started to take notice of Govan Protestant boys. You know, we were we were starting to get noticed a bit more, um, not only for our decorum and that, and, but, but our playing ability had certainly came up and the style had changed too. I think we've probably got a kind of unique style to this day that we, we tried to maintain and we tried to keep going on that way. It's, it's a tried and trusted one for us. Um, yeah, and it, and it, keeps us, it keeps us all focused and, and everybody enjoys it. Well, how does that evolve then in terms of practice and so on? How do there are are there certain people in the band then who we're coming down with? Here's where I think we should go. Here's the tunes. Here's how we're changing it. Here's the new drum set, and it's maybe going with us. Or was there more of a collective approach to that? It's always it's always a very collective approach within within the band as to 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 what we get. We we have individual people who always write out tunes for us, and then. The drum section and, and the drum section now and, and the boy David Roberts and Robert Ferguson boys are, are very much into the, the beats. Stephen McGinty, guys like that in the drum section come up with these beats, you know, and um, and as as do many others within the band. And we try to, to make the beat a bit different to the tunes that we have now. Um, the drum section and the flute section try to work work this hard together to get this. And we always try to give it maybe three or four weeks to see if we're going to like the tune. And then we take the decision, yeah, we're, we're pushing ahead with this. And we try to evolve the tune as we go along, maybe making slight changes. And there's maybe some people in the band don't like the way it goes. So we'll try to change that to, to, to accommodate everybody. But it's very collective in a sense of everybody takes there. And and, and now um, our, our band sergeant in Graham Water keeps it yeah, a very tight and steady ship. And um, he keeps us on our toes, you know, and then he makes sure that that everybody has an open and honest opinion on it, and and, and we, we try to make everybody as happy with the tunes. And practice is, is very good. It's a very good set. You know, we we practice on a Thursday night. You know, from from seven o'clock to about nine o'clock. Still in the governor Charles, You know, our spiritual home was still there. As I say, we've not changed in many things in the years. And yeah, it's it's good. We have a, always a very healthy number at practice, which is great. And all the tunes evolve around there. You were saying earlier on you had some very far out ideas in regards to the uniforms whenever you were thinking about changing. <laughs> but I think yeah. one of the things I wanted to did you have ever had any, any people coming in with some crazy far out ideas with changing or they kind of going, no, we're not doing that? Yeah, probably some of them will say I've done that in a sense. Um, <laughs> and then they still go, and I, I, I spent about two months, I think, uh, writing out a tune called You Colonial. A lot of the bands play it and actually forget how it goes, and we started it and played it. Some of the members still slate me to this day for it, you know, and um, yeah, it was a difficult tune, <laughs> tune, tune to write out, and we only played it about three times, I think, and then we just binned it. But yeah, it I think a good march though. It's a crack of march. It is a, a fantastic march, and um, it's, it took me a long time to write it out. But yeah, some of the guys still still bring it up and keep me going on that. But it's like everything in every every tune that we we do, we we try to evolve it into our own style. Um, and make it make it our way of playing it, yeah, which is it keeps us all in our toes, and it is very good. But yeah, some of some way out tunes like we've had, like you know, and and we've just decided no, we're not we're not going to play them. And and, and there is a story in the band at the moment that one of the boys was having a a bit of fun one day, and he said, you know, it, we'd like to to get some tunes, you know, and 
we said that that tuned puppet on a string would be fantastic. Lo and behold, one guy went away and wrote out this puppet on a string. You know, we've certainly not played it, I can assure you. <laughs> but, but we do have the notes to puppet on the string, but we've never ever played it. Um, but yeah, the guy, he'll know who I'm talking about when if he right. listens to this. He'll, he'll know who I'm talking about. The, the guilty are being protected here. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. And, and is there a tune you would say that the, the, the Gaman are, are kind of associated with? Is there a tune that you'd say is yours? Um, no, no, not really. Uh, Sash My Father War is, is probably the best tune that anybody should ever play. You know, the cry of no surrender. And when you walk under the bridge and at the main parade in Glasgow, we'll always play the Sash and the cry of no surrender. So, yeah, things like tunes like that are, are close to everybody's heart, but you should never, ever forget that. Yeah, so... One of the things that I've noticed, obviously, about the band over the years is you've had some very interesting journeys to other parts of the world. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me a bit about some of those and, and how, how those came about, because obviously some people have seen videos of you in, um, in terms of different places. I was sent one a few days ago of these guys coming down on the escalator in Las Vegas, and, uh, and I've oh, also yeah. seen you going across the, the Golden Great Bridge and all. Yeah, Where did all yeah. that come from? How did that come about? Well, um, NASA, that, that's NASA as you start. So NASA um, started because um, the district bar in Glasgow, um, who's run by Davy Curry, who's a, a member of the band, have a, a fantastic range of support club in there called Plantation 42. And the members of Plantation 42 travel to NASA year in, year out. And they, have, they, they started the journey for us. Um, so the band was sent a letter. Um, it was in Florida at the time. And that, that was they were going to Naples. Um, a lot of people skeptical. Myself, I'll be open and honest, was one I didn't think it was possible, and and I wasn't one for it. But I, I was proved totally wrong. Um, Davy Curry and and I'll mention the, the guy from Plantation of Gus Watt. And and I get, Gus has to take a lot of credit over all those years for he organises all the trip, not only for the members of Plantation, but he, he organises the accommodation and the flights for all the members of Govan Protestant and Boys. And Gus is a very unsung hero for NASA and particularly for the band. And he should be recognised for that and especially getting recognised on, on this podcast. And he's done a fantastic job for us. But the band the band in that year set about um, going to, to Naples. Um, they had a bit of fundraising to, to get there. And lo and behold, all the young guys in the band are way over to Naples. And... When you're sitting back in Glasgow and you see these videos coming in, you're envious of it and you want to be part of it. And I, I was wanting to be part of it. I wish I would have went to Naples. I didn't manage, but these guys went all the way over there and set the standards and set government Protestant boys on the way to go and um, to doing the NASA convention. And from that year on, we went to nearly enough every year to NASA now. Um, I went the following year where we went to Toronto. Um, and we, we managed to have an orange parade in Toronto in that year when we went as well. It was on yeah. um, the 6th of June, um, obviously D-Day landings. And, and we went over, um, we were in, in Toronto, we were at Niagara Falls, and um, we were asked to do an orange parade. Um, it's not too great when it's 95 outside <laughs> and you're walking along in full uniform right along a beach road. But that day um, set the standards for the band once again where we paraded in, in Toronto. And it was a fantastic day. We paraded along with the local Orange Lodges on the Saturday um, afternoon. We had done the normal stunt on the Friday night. Um, um, and at the do-in, we did the, the parade on the Saturday. And it was great. 
and that's that was that was my first one being there, um, and that was in um, Niagara Falls. And Niagara Falls, you, you get some funny stories at Niagara Falls. <laughs> my first one at the time, um, our band sergeant at the time was still the same boy now, a Graham Lauder, and we were sitting um, outside in a like a bench type thing, and the chief of police happened to be a I don't know if he was a member of the Rangers Supporters Club at the time, but he was quite involved in at it. And I always remember him saying, I hear that you boys like to walk, you know, at night after, and he said, would you like to walk up the falls? You know, and we were like that, up the falls? Jeez, so if we walk up the falls, you know. <laughs> but he was talking about Niagara Falls, obviously. Right. Um, so lo and behold, on the Friday night, we're in this big hall, um, playing about a thousand people, and the doors open, and down the escalators we come, charging down the escalators right out onto the main road of Niagara, and we just start parading and all of a sudden here we were up the falls we were up the falls back down the falls and back into the hall back up the, the escalator so yeah that was the start of it but um nasa's became a part where we went to many places golden gate bridge as you mentioned was um, was one where the boys had, had done a, they walked across the golden gate bridge there um, and, and yeah you, you see the videos of that in vegas going to vegas um, a few years back there yeah, there was a fantastic experience Vegas was there, um, that was uh, probably the largest crowd we'd ever played to indoors, it was two and a half thousand people, Friday night in Vegas, um, and we were in playing on the set, and as normal, you kind of, you do a little, or you don't walk, but you walk around the hall, and then the doors open, and you were on this big corridor, and you're walking along saying, oh, we'll get to the end of the corridor, and we'll, we'll be turning back, and then those doors opened, and all of a sudden you were out in um, Planet Hollywood Casino, um, and we were walking around Planet Hollywood Casino and you're passing all these poker tables at the side. We had these lovely ladies doing pole dancing up at the time, but they were trying to dance to the music that they had. But obviously, <laughs> when somebody comes by with a big drum and you're playing the sash, they start, actually, they were pretty good because they started dancing to the sash as we went down the escalators. Um, and then we were walking around the casino and we managed to get out onto the main strip at them. On the boulevard, I'm not too sure that the police were too endeavoured with us at that time, but we managed to we managed to play outside there for about 15 minutes, and then we came back in and again right through the casino and all the way back up. But yeah, it was a great a great experience of going into Niagara with, with, with the band of, I mean, taking 40 band members to Niagara mm. and doing that, and you can imagine the camaraderie it was on from the day that we left to the day that we came yeah. back, and and that that's what the band is about, but. Being in Niagara was fantastic and it set the band on a bit. But we always try to promote our culture wherever we go. And most importantly, we're trying to promote the band. But yeah, we always try to promote our culture because our culture is important to all of us. What was the response now. in what was the response in Canada like, you know, from the one from the locals and just from the, the local orange as well? Because I have to say there's a wee touch of jealousy here. I'm, you know, obviously I'm originally from Canada and uh, not that it sounds like it. Um, but, um, you know, and that's one of my key, I was hoping to have walked on the 200th, 12th there recently, and obviously COVID got in the way of that. Yeah. But so, um, you know, obviously one of my big things, bucket list for me is to walk one of the parades in, in Toronto and stuff. But yeah. what was the response to you guys like? The response was fantastic from from um, Toronto Number One Club and from Bramalee. 
Um, the, the the host clubs there at the time, um, Bram Lee was the host club at that time, or, or Niagara. Niagara was the host club when we did the parade. But the, the local people and the expats um, opened up to the band fantastic, made the band very, very welcome. Uh, we were at a couple of barbecues. We play at the barbecue as well. And every time we go to Canada, we are well looked after. And it's great to see the expats out there who are, who are Rangers daft and all, all the Jordan members and that. And to be part of the band, you know, and we always we, we played at um, Drama Lee and, and particularly we go to Toronto number one where Plantation um, 42 Rangers Supporters Club have a very close bond with the people of, of Toronto number one. So the band follows along with that that tradition. And but in Canada, it's been fantastic. Any time I've been to Canada, it's been fantastic. They've, they've looked after as well, taken us about, set the buses for us to go to the parade. Buses were there, buses there for us to get us back and forward. And yeah, it was good. We were hoping to do the 200th celebration as well. We had we had already had a letter in to do it as well, mm-hmm. which we were very much down the road for it as well. Well, listen, if you're looking at any extra people to join us the next time you drink, give me a bell. Ian, talk to me a bit about then about the positives that being a member of a bond has brought into your life. You know, you've talked a wee bit about, you know, some of the, the camaraderie, but what, what kind of things have you got out of being a member of a bond? I, I would say it's made me a better person. Some people will say it's made me a moany person um, because I'm always moaning about everything in the band, but that, that's just the way, I think, is when I came into the band, I'd say at 14, 15, and you, you're out in the streets. The streets of Glasgow are, are, yeah, can can be good times, but they can be also set you on the wrong ways if, if you get in with the wrong crowd. So I always think that being in the band has kept me in the straight and narrow and, and kept me me going and the positive getting that. You know, the, the guys that are there, as I say, I always, I always mention John and Davey. Two, two really important members for me being in the band career because they, they taught me a lot, you know. And, and Davey always taught you about the loyalism and kept you there and, and kept you on your toes and anti-drugs, you know, and all this. And, and that was great for me, you know. It's, and, and that continues through the band. And the drug scene in Glasgow around the 80s and 90s was becoming very predominant in a lot of young people's lives. So we had the band to focus on and those guys made sure that that's where you focused. Mm-hmm. And kept you and set set you up. Certainly set me up. I mean, I don't I, I don't deny it. I say I mentioned always mentioned the two guys and Jim and, and John and Davy because they, they gave you the gave me the outlook to the band and and probably set me on on a good good road good road in the band. Yeah, brilliant. And I think I think not everybody really gets that about bonds is that the, the intervention that a bond can play in someone's life in terms of, no, I always, I always speak about it, you know, and I grew up on an interface in East Belfast. And, uh, you know, the bond was the thing that kept me away from everything else that was going on around about me, you know, and it's, it's amazing how many people's lives have been turned around just by the fact that they were involved with the bond. No, I mean, you know, band is, see, you had, you had the football, we had an 11 side team. We had five aside teams that we played in the league. Davy Curry had another team that played in the league and got the band boys involved in a team within the league as well. And that kept you focused. You were out, uh, say, playing five asides or you're playing 11 asides or you had the band practice, you know. And uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, certainly for me, younger, it made me, probably made me the person I am today. And we tried to do that in a lot of the young people now in the band, you know. We tried to keep them focused. Obviously, it's a totally different upbringing now, computers and games or whatever people do but yeah, we were always very and we still are very every member is very very close you know and 
families are very close. A lot of the families go about together, and and that's what set up government Protestant lawyers, and that's the way it's been for, for life, you know. And and long long may that continue. But being a member has certainly enhanced me as a person. You know, I don't know where I'd have been today if I didn't have the band. I haven't got a clue. But certainly the band has always been good to me, you know, and I always try to give something back to the band because the band is an important part of your life. Yeah. One of the things that we also like to try and focus in on a podcast, Dan, is about the positive things that the band does in terms of their community and giving yeah. back. What kind of things do the Govan Protestant boys do for their community? Well, I think our community is probably based around the Orange Order because um, now with nationalism is in Scotland in particular, we're not looked upon as very favourable people in a sense, the way the media portrays in, in a lot of that now. So a lot of our stuff is based around um, probably within our, our own lodges or within our members. I mean, and probably the most thing that's come out this year for us is um, one of our members has been diagnosed with motor neurons. So um, the guys are set about raising funds and awareness of motor neurons to help, to help, to help the gent along as well, you know, and, and that's been a, a great focus, you know, and the family, and, and three members of the family are in the band. You know, one has been diagnosed, unfortunately, and ho- hopefully everything turns out, you know, but that has been a big focus this year where um, one of our members, uh, boy Thomas McAlpine, set the Ice Bucket Challenge up uh, for all the members to do, and we had this um, Zoom meetings, or like say on the like Instagram and all that, everybody doing it, and it was great. All through lockdown there, we've been doing these Ice Bucket Challenges um, raising money and awareness of motor neurons disease. And, and I may also, may, may add so, we've got a member of our band who, who's in Tully Carnot, John Singleton, and he's raised the motor neurons disease awareness in Tully Carnot, and they climbed the mountain last week in honour of, of a gentleman in our band who's been diagnosed as well. So that things like that are, are there, you know, we're, we're always in more in the, the community, you know, one of our, our, our ex-members and um, grandkids has been diagnosed with Batten's disease as well. So we tried, we've tried to be involved in that in a sense around it just a couple of weeks ago within Kinnan Park. It was all orange balloons everywhere and that was for Batten's disease. So I think we've, we've always tried to evolve around whatever the members need at the time and we try to be like that because the way the way Glasgow is at the moment with nationalism and they try to portray us as a bad people, we try to fight back. So that, that's our way of fighting back in the community, I suppose. Okay. It's always good to give back though in, in some shape or form, you know, because obviously when people make a contribution to the life of the bond, you know, it's only it feels only right at times whenever people are in need that you you provide that, you know, sense of support for them, isn't it? Yeah, our band will always have have a support for each and individual member and their families, wherever the need may be. Um, we, we say we are very much family orientated band, and we always will be. If someone in the band has a need, then the band members will always rally around to make sure that need is there for them. You know, and, and it's the same with if you about your own personal things, maybe also your parents or, or or family members. The first people that chap on your door are always. Um, members of Govan Protestant Boys, they're always there, every one of them to help each other, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, I learned that this year, the loss of my mother and the president lost his father, but um, the members are always there um, for each each and every one of us. Brilliant. And what about the future of the band and what kind of things are in the pipeline for us? Pipeline for us going forward, 45 year anniversary next year, will be a, another massive year for us, another milestone. Um, I think any just trying to. Plans? Any special plans for that? 
we haven't started yet, but I'm sure in the next coming weeks, things like that will start evolving around because we've only managed to start back our band practice in the last three weeks. Okay. Um, so we've been really in a shutdown. Well, we, we shut down last and in March, obviously, and then we managed to open for about six weeks of practice and then all of a sudden we shut down. So we've only really started in the last three weeks of practice, although we're all communicating from Zoom or whatever or Instagram. Um, but no, I think 45 years will have a lot on on the cards again for us. Hopefully, back to Northern Ireland. Um, you know, back to Kilmona, walking with 11 and 18. You know, back there on the 12th day, leading seven and eight district. I think we hope to be back there next year. Obviously, we, we're we're not doing it this year, but we're we're colour party about on parade. Um, but we, as a band, we won't be participating this year. So hopefully going into 2022 in our 45 years, that'll be one one place that we'll be back. Um, we're, we're coming back to Londonderry again. Um, next year, we'll be just accepted um, to walk around the walls of Londonderry again, which which I may say was a fantastic experience for the band. We did that um, two years ago. We played in the Maiden Hall, and wow, that really blew, blew our head away. Walking around the, the walls of Londonderry was fantastic. First time I'd ever been in Londonderry, and uh, I'll look forward to doing that again next year. Yeah, to see we're coming back. Yeah, there is something amazing about connecting with that history, uh, isn't it? You know, in terms unbelievable. of unbelievable. Yeah, you know, here you are on the walls that you've probably sung about, you know, and, yeah. and played about for years and years, and here you are right on them. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, it was fantastic. Nobody, I, I didn't know what, what we were going into, you know, in, in a sense, and all the members are probably the same, but I think just when you went up on the walls and you walked around and <laughs> when you look at the band in front, you know, they'd stopped playing a few tunes. That was because they were going downstairs, but we had no idea we were coming to the stairs. Yeah. Just kept on playing, and so you're walking down the stairs, big big drums going, the, the side drums are going, you know, the flutters are going, and people are looking back saying, they're just all mental, you know, but we, we didn't know what we were coming to, but walking around the walls was a fantastic experience. And then, then to, to play, obviously, in the Maiden Hall was, was great. You know, playing in there for an hour set was was really, really good. It, yeah. it was, and something that we'll all look forward to doing again next year. Actually, we were probably well prepared for coming down the stairs anyway, with all those escalators and things that you've done. <laughs> and the and all. You're, you're, we're all right with that. You were actually ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, at least the stairs weren't moving this time. Yeah, they were just all stationary. Brilliant. So, Ian, just in terms of finishing off there, is there any, if there was one thing that you could share with someone to help them understand the band scene, what would it be? Uh, something to share. I think just be, come in open-minded to the band. And if you come in with an open mind and a willingness to do well and learn, then I think you'll always be a success. Most on our band, we always ask for people just to come in, be open-minded to the band and, and have your input. And you, you've, there's no point in you coming into a band and sitting down and not having your input. Everybody's an equal, you know, and especially in Govan Prosper, we're all equal. Everybody is an equal to our band, and that's what stands us there and in the terms of what we are. But I think you just come in open minded, a willingness to learn and participate, then, yeah, it'll set you on the way and, and it'll, give you, it'll give you great values of life. Brilliant. Listen, Ian, I really appreciate you taking the, the time out to, to talk to us and, and share a bit of your, your own story and, and I suppose a wee bit of the, the history of the band there. And I just want to say, I hope that, you know, the next lot of weeks go really well for you in terms of getting back into the swing of stuff at practice. And I hope it's not too long before we see the Govern Protestant boys 
back on these shores again once. So thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Glenn, th- thanks very much for, for giving me the time to say, but it's it's not about me. It's about it's about Govan Prosman, boys. That's the most important part. Um, the, the band is, will always be available, you know, and, and it'll be great to be back in Northern Ireland again, um, leading number seven and eight district. And I love an 18. It'll be great to be there. Yeah, no, and we look forward to 2022 and returning. Happy days, man. Listen, thank you very much. Glenn, thanks very much for the opportunity. Um, good health to everybody that listens. And all the best to everybody. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ian from the Goblin Protestant Boys. No, I did. An absolutely fantastic time chatting away to him and uh, finding out a bit about his history with the band and also finding out a wee bit more about what makes the Goblin Protestant Boys tick. So thank you very much, Ian, for sharing your story and your time with us. So there is only three episodes left that we'll be focusing in on bonds on this particular season. Next week we are going to be joined by members of the Middlesex County Volunteers and uh, a bond from America. And uh, I know that I was really looking forward to that conversation um, with, with two members of the, the MCV. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy that one as well. Absolutely fantastic outfit and uh, really talented musicians. Then the week after that, we will have a conversation with a member of the Top Secret Drum Corps, um, branching out a wee bit and uh, doing something a wee bit different there. And then the final episode of the season, number 10, will be with Portadown Defenders. They are celebrating their 50th anniversary, and I'll be having a chat with a range of members from the band, talking a bit about you know the history and how things are going for them now and what the 50th celebrations have been like for them given that this has been a pretty strange year for everybody in regards to bonds and parades etc just want to say thank you to everybody who has continued to support our fundraising activities here to try and branch out and do new things um really appreciate that if you want to um contribute to that you can go to our gofundme page and i'll put the description in the notes for the the episode today and also a big word of thanks to all of our monthly Patreon supporters who faithfully give towards the work of Made the Parade a month by month. I really appreciate all of your support there. If you'd like to support the work of Made the Parade, then please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Made the Parade. And there's a number of different options there for you to help us out if you'd like. So until the next episode, folks, look after yourselves and take it easy. You have been listening to the Made to Parade podcast, sponsored by the British Drum Company, where Phantom, Regimental Series and Axial Parade Drums are hand-built in the UK to look amazing, sound amazing and feel amazing. <laughs>